Hello and welcome to this episode of the Midnight Narwhal Podcast. My name is James. Hi, um, my name is Andy. Yeah. I had a really weird moment as you were saying your name. Uh-huh. And I truly, I was expecting you to say, hi, my name's Andy, because I was thinking through what I was about to say. Uh-huh. And then when you said James, it, it almost off. threw me off to where I didn't even know what to say. <laughs> I mean, names are hard. I get it. This is also the second episode that we've recorded today. Which we've never uh, done that before. We've never either. done that before. This is another special episode, just like the previous one, where you know we're in person, like in the same room. It's a recording cool. studio. Yeah. Total, totally, totally a recording studio. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Nope. Like that's why you hear all the echoing. Echoing and the the sirens. I'm sure it's it's getting dark here in Raleigh, so I'm sure there'll be a lot more sirens. Um, Most likely. Yeah. So good luck editing. Have fun. Oh, great. Yeah. You um. You mentioned in the last episode that we were recording, and I, I don't know if this is like a part that you'll like cut out eventually or anything, but you like brought up like golf, um, being like like a like a. A lazy man sport. I did, yes. And I was I like, that. I was like, I said, we'll get to that later. You did. That's like, we're gonna be. All is this the later? This is the later. Yeah. Okay. We're like all about all about golf today. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't like blow all of my making fun of golf stuff then. No, yeah, I saved it for now. You Good have job. you have uh, plenty plenty of opportunity uh, in in this episode. I am worried that you'll like, oh yeah, I've heard, I, I, well, I know you've heard this since, um, another podcast, another podcast has, has done this. Um, and you said that you've, you've seen, or you've listened to every episode of theirs. This is an older episode of theirs. So maybe like, I probably will have forgotten. You, you have forgotten it because that's something that you're great at doing. Superpowers are important. To, yeah. You to know. notice and to celebrate. Uh huh. I mean, there are certain things I wish I could forget. <laughs> There's a lot, actually, I wish I could forget. Well, I don't get to choose what I forget, unfortunately. No. It yeah. doesn't it work just that happens. way. It just happens, yeah. Look at the draw. Yep. That would be nice, actually, like with trauma. And just like, yeah, I don't need to forget. I don't need to remember that. I can get pretty dark. We're going to we're gonna move on. Uh, this is yeah, a, I'm really glad yeah. we're starting off this yeah. way. I'm feeling really <laughs> good about this episode. Uh, this can get really, yeah, that could get really this is dark. A, this is a lighter so, episode. This is so a lighter let's episode. Let's talk about trauma this is and a, how to heal from Trauma this. and regret. And re- oh, <laughs> just bottle things up, repress it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, today's another fun episode, like my balloon episode uh, cool. from a few weeks ago. So uh, I'll just get right into the sources. I have a lot of them. Um, well, I have a lot of tabs open. Um, some of them I just ended up like not even using for much, so I won't really call them out. Fair. Wikipedia, big one, always is. ITV.com, todaysgolfer.co.uk, golfdigest.com, golf.com, mirror.co.uk, and the Dollop Podcast. All right. Yeah. Diving right in. November 23rd, 1929. Maurice Gerald Flitcroft was born. That's a name. That is a name. He was born to Olive and Herbert Flitcroft in Manchester, England. Maurice? Maurice. Maurice? <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, 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 can't, I can't even think of Maurice. Oh, yeah. Like, you go say, like, call Maurice? me Maurice. Yeah. Yep. Maurice. Yep. He's actually a little bit more, like, 
I've heard him talk. Uh, there's like news footage of him and okay. um, stuff, and you can hear him talk. It's it's almost more Scottish. Um, there's oh, like Maurice, kind of, yeah. And there's uh, there's so many variations and dialects to like the the English like. Uh, it's such like, a small place has like way too many accents, and so, and which is like this is getting really into the weeds, but like the older the pl a place is the more dialect diversity it's mm -hmm. going to have, which is why on the East coast of the United States, there's way more dialect diversity than when you move further this West. Is true. And like we we're in the state of North Carolina and we have the most diverse dialect of any state in the, in the country, uh, variations like makes sense. Cause you've got like the stuff like out on the coast and there's like, like very mid Atlantic, very mid Atlantic, but then there's like some, like, there's like an island off the coast of North Carolina that almost sounds like English because it is a closed society where they all like, yeah. I um, want to go to there. And then there's, oh, there's a video, there's footage of it. You can like barely understand what they're saying. Um, and then you go to like where I live now in like Appalachia or Appalachia, depending on how you pronounce it. And there's Appalachia. Appalachia. Yeah. I say Appalachian, but I, I feel like I need to say Appalachia. When I pronounce when I per, when I don't throw the N on there, but neither are incorrect. But there's there's mountain country uh, like dialect and yeah, this is getting, this is getting way into the weeds because we're not talking about that today. But yeah, back to Maurice. Uh, I've typed that name out a ton, but I've like I've only said it out loud a few times, so I'm just gonna Flitcroft, 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 Flitcroft. I'm gonna say Maurice that a few times. Flitcroft. Maurice Flitcroft. Uh, he was a smaller boy. Uh, he had uh, five brothers. Okay. Um, there was always something different about him with just regards to like his curiosities and desire to learn new skills. And he was never really just satisfied with just like, here's, here's like, do this and just accept it. Like he, he wanted to understand why. Why? Like, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, I have one of those. Yeah. Uh, most people do. If you don't. Typically it's a phase that grow out of mine has yet to grow out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not looking forward to that aspect of, it's of parenthood. It's been six years. I'm, I'm really not looking forward to that aspect of parenthood because I don't have the patience for it. <laughs> you don't yet, but parenthood gives it to I'm, you. I'm, that's, what, that's what my wife says. <laughs> but she has the patience for me, so I think she, she, like, she's got enough for both of us. But um, where I fail, she can come in there and, uh, and tag out. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he was, he was smaller, like wiry almost you could say. All right. And while, so while he was like a scrappy young fellow, he was an athlete. He enjoyed sports. He regularly played rugby and cricket. Two very So he played sports. rugby. Yeah. As a tiny lad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see that working out. Well no, there. not, no, not really. I could see cricket, which is just. Cricket makes sense. Lame it's baseball. Weird baseball. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't call it lame. It's just weird baseball. Apparently matches can go on for like days. Oh Yeah. They can absolutely go. That's insane. Cricket is wild. I've started watching some recaps and stuff recently, just trying to learn it. And it do, is do wild. You not, do you sleep or is it just going to keep on going? Like, is it just an ever ongoing game? Like, I mean, there are different ways about going about wow, it. Wow. They typically don't last days. Yeah. But, but they, they could. can. That's, in, that's wild. Yeah. But to be fair, like baseball games they last, they also have, can last days. Okay. Yes. I mean, they None can. have. Have they? Like, Because like, there's no time on it. So it can last days. Yeah, I wonder. Like what there are games that have gone into like the twentieth and twenty second inning. Good lord! Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. Mm. Yeah, he. I mean, he didn't let his size keep him down. Like he, 
He enjoyed the game. Except it kind of did. Okay, he did. always stayed. He down always stayed down because he couldn't be up high. Yeah, yeah. So growing up, I mean, that's that was just his life, you know, like dealt with you know the ridicule that comes with being like a smaller kid. But he also wasn't like it, he wasn't like an outcast for it. Like he was in the group and he was well liked and he had friends and he he was. So he didn't uh, have like the Napoleon complex. No, not 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 in the same way that like a lot of people his size could have. Um, and I say his size, like he's, he's average height, but like, he just maybe but like on the scrawny small, or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot, like kind of like most people that listen, don't know me, but, or don't know exactly what I look like, but yeah, more on like the me side of yeah. things. Yeah. I mean, that is, yeah. you are the person I had in mind the entire uh-huh. time. I uh-huh. just wasn't going to say it. No, no, it's fine. But it's you fine. did. So. I have, I have a, I have, I've come to make, yeah, I've come to terms with it. It's okay. Um, so after he finished school at the age of 16, he could either go to college or work in the shipyard. That was kind of his two main options. Mm. That was a lot of the, 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 that was basically the norm. Like you're either going to go here, or you're going to go there. Now he desired to go off to college. He really did. He, he loved learning. He loved, he loved the arts as like poetry and stuff. He wanted to just study, but he had all of the ocean was too strong. He had no prospects. So he was unable to go. So he had to go to the shipyard. What do you mean process? He was too poor to uh, okay. afford for college. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was like, wait, like he needs a lady? Like what? no, no, no. Like he, yeah. okay, he just that had makes sense. That makes no sense. way to afford for college. No money coming from a. I mean, he's got five brothers, so you know that family's stretched pretty thin as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he just had he had to go to the shipyard. Now he would work fifty hours six days a week Ooh. at the Vickers Shipyard, and was an honest and good worker. He would win awards like the best machinist award, uh, but not. Does this come with a plaque? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like yeah, there's trophies and stuff that he, he'd get. Yeah, but not long after he started, which was I say not long, it's about a year. He got bored with the work at the shipyard and its mundane nature. Well, when you're the best over and over and over oh, yeah. again, and yeah. you're just like, I'm running out of room in my house for these trophies. Mm-hmm. I really, I need to switch things up. Yeah, he he got so bored that he picked up smoking as a hobby just to pass the time like imagine getting so bored that you're like yeah i'll, I'll smoke you're like maybe smoking cigarettes will make me like he just became you know like, i'll find yeah. something that's also very boring and try to do that as well mm-hmm. yep so after working at the shipyard he went to join the merchant navy just was like i hate the shipyard maybe i'll go join the navy like uh, <laughs> hello we're a bunch of merchants who like to I, sell things I, but I, also carry around guns on the water I don't understand the, like, man, I'm bored with the work at the shipyard. Let me join the Navy to see if that changes anything. Like, I, I don't understand that, like, that thought process. Yeah, but... I said, I really want to just go be stuck on a ship in the middle of the ocean mm-hmm. for a long time. That's what I want with my yeah. life. So he joined the Navy, but um, when he missed the departure time for his ship, <laughs> he was left. Was he, he getting a, a box of smokes? Uh, he just missed the he just missed the boat. He was late. and So he they just, the Navy just... Sailed off, left him in Gibraltar. Just they, left him. Oh, there. Gibraltar! Oh, jeez. Yeah, like yeah, like they just left him there. I thought we were still talking back home. No, 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 no. Like he, he, you know, he, he signed up, joined. He was like, all right. They're like, go to Gibraltar. You're about to get like your ship's over there. Like hop on, and he he missed the boat, so they just left him there, and so he was no longer in the navy. Like they just kind of like ditched him, and they're like, hey, okay. all right, you missed it. Sorry, man. Okay. <laughs> um. Sucks to suck. Sucks to suck. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> just, uh, yeah, no, no wiggle room there. Just like, no, no, no warnings. Just, 
well, you missed it. So sorry. It's not like there's a second boat you can. So just bye. You, you know, you're not good enough. Start walking north through uh, Spain. So he uh, he made his way back home and and got another job. He he worked as a firefighter on a boat. <laughs> Still the boat thing. Still the boat thing. Um, he was fired from that job for fighting a man over a bag of chips. Okay. Yeah. Um, like they got in a fight over a bag of well crisps, as they would probably say. But I uh, am someone I I love chips. Uh huh. Like I love knowing them. They're probably salt and vinegar chips. because they're in Europe and they just throw vinegar on everything. Yeah, it's, it's probably disgusting. gross. Yeah. Like chips with vinegar on them. I'm sorry, you salt and vinegar chip freaks. It's gross. Stop it. Yeah, vinegar is not something you, that you're supposed. You have to. a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Also, stop putting vinegar on your barbecue. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Anyways, like, but I would never fight over, over bag of chips. chips. To be fair, we also have an abundance of chips in the, in our world. Mm -hmm. His world probably not. Mm -hmm. So maybe I maybe I would. Yeah. So um, yeah, he was fired from that. Then he just like he just picked up a ton of jobs. So like he worked on the railroad for a little bit. He, something not boat related. No, something not boat. It says he worked as something called a shunter. No idea what that is, um, or what that means. But it's like he was a shunter on the railroad. So, oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah. I don't of know. Course. I don't know. Yeah, you know. That I, th I think he's well suited for that job. Yeah. Um, the shunting. The shunting. Um, yeah, he worked as a machine man for a factory. He was a truck driver. So, like an automaton. He's like. Hello, yeah. I am a robot uh, machine man. Maybe, yeah. Just no, just like, like the guy, the, mascot. That, the guy that fixes the the machines and stuff in the factory. Should have gone for like engineer. Yeah, um, he was a truck driver. He was a door to door shoe polish salesman. I really thought you were gonna say a door to door shoe polisher. Like, excuse uh, do me, you, mom. Do you have I, any do you shoes? Have any shoes that need polishing? <laughs> I'd yeah. love to polish your shoes. Yeah, three quid. Yep. I don't know what quid means. That might be really expensive. That might be really cheap. I think yeah. it's expensive. I don't. Yeah, it's not. A, it's yeah. Just they should just switch over to the dollar. Like ever. Like it's yeah. Uh, <laughs> in uh, in the summers, he worked in a diving show as a stunt comedy high diver, where he would be knocked <laughs> off the diving board by some other guys with a plank. <laughs> what? As as comic relief, like literal slapstick humor. Yeah, like all right, you're gonna climb this tower. And get on this piece of wood, and then three other guys are gonna jump up there and hit you off with another piece of wood, and you're gonna fall into this tub, this tube of water, this I, tub of water. Yeah. I just, I really want to see this show because I, you know, I'm thinking it's like one dude holding the plank of wood, turning around, and just like you know, like the idea is yeah, accidentally yeah, yeah. knock him over, literally 1920s movie style. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But real life, how do you justify a dude up high on a diving board uh -huh. with a plank of wood? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, like, I, I, what's the story here? No, I get it. Um, I, I think that's, I think you're on track with like, that's what, like, that's what yeah, I, that's what I, I was I'm certain I'm on track. I just want the full story. I, I need the picture. He also had a trick where he would saw himself off of the board. So he'd be sitting on the edge and then like, he'd saw the, the piece of wood that he's sitting I've on. I've seen and, all of yeah. these cartoons. <laughs> like Looney Tunes did all of these things. Yep. Wow. Yep. There's so, a real life Bugs Bunny. Yep. Um, now it was while he was on tour high diving uh, that he met his wife, uh, who was his brother's wife's sister. Okay. Yeah. So like his sister-in-law. His sister-in-law's sister. All right. Um, which sounds bad, but it's it's totally yeah, legit. That's, that's, it's to, an, that's it's fine. That's fine. 
Uh, her name was Jean, and they fell madly in love. Jean with a G? Jean with a J. J-E-A-N. Two, two in a row. A yeah, yeah. Now, he had all these jobs, but he kept getting fired, mainly because he hated being told no or that he was wrong, and he felt like he had to prove otherwise. Um, oftentimes <laughs> through physical violence. Yep. He was, uh, he was fired from the high diving tour for getting into a fight about the placement of certain screws on the dive tank, which, which led to him beating the crap out of the show's main star. <laughs> How are the divers at all part of the conversation about where screws in the tank In go? the diving tank, the tank that they're diving into? like Because it was a setup teardown sort of thing, and they travel from town to town. Um, yeah, so, but I feel like the screws always go in the holes where the screws go. You'd think. And why are the divers taking part in that? Their job is to, to go in the water, not build the thing. Maybe they want to make sure that it's secure, the thing that they're diving into, or I don't know. But that's a that's a weird argument because I think because one of them has to be like, yeah, screws should go here. No, they should go here. Well, why don't we put in some other screws? Like it's a really <laughs> simple solution. Hey, look, here's two more. Put them in. I don't know what the overhead was like. Like if they had screw extra screw money that they could they could use to buy. Even at that uh, point, they couldn't have been that expensive. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe they were special, like, like you know, water tank screws. Anti-rust that, screws. Yeah, I don't know. So, but yeah, that he was like he was fired from that job. Following his marriage, he and his wife moved to Barrow and Furnace. That's that's how I like to pronounce it, but it's Barrow and Furnace. Uh, and they had twin boys. You ready for their names? Because they're I'm not. Uh, no. Jean Van Flintcroft and James Harlequin Flintcroft. Harlequin? Harlequin. Okay. Yep. That's a bold choice. That is a bold middle name. Jean and James, both boys, twin boys. Yeah. I wonder how that one boy feels about being named after, after his, his mom. mother. Yeah. Like the exact same name. I'd probably go by my middle name, Van. Van's a, a fine name to go by. Sure. Uh, Van's perfectly fine yep. name to go by. I mean, it's it's better than having the same name as your mom, maybe. Yeah. But people don't allow, allow you around children because we know he's a white man. Yeah. Oh, good one. <laughs> good one. Oh, you couldn't even like go. No, no, no. You, I'm thinking of all the ways I can make fun of a guy with this name. Even if he's like, just call me by a minute. Call me JV. Like, really? You want to go by JV? Because that's like derogatory. Oh, you're, not even, you're not even good enough for varsity, you joke. Uh, like... <laughs> Yeah, he probably like I'd rather be named the Harlequin one than the Gene Van one, probably. But yeah, because I'd just be like, just my name's James Flintcroft. Like, yeah, not even totally, not even totally drop. fine. Yeah, James H. Flint. Like, yeah, if they needed to know the middle, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Barrow and Furnace. That's a fun one to say. I can hear him say like Barrow. Anyway, I'm from Barrow and Furnace. Uh huh. So he obviously needed to work now that he's got two baby boys and a wife. Um, yeah. in his home. So he picks up a job as a bus driver, but he is unfortunately no, fired. No, you need to put the screws over here, not in this part. No. The door will work fine with the screws in it. No, he is unfortunately fired not long after because his supervisor remembered that many years before this, <laughs> no. Maurice had open hand slapped him on a bus <laughs> that he was driving. <laughs> Because someone had been smoking on the bus and a lady was getting sick from all the smoke. So Maurice opened a window uh, for her, which was apparently against the rules. 
So when the bus driver walked up to Maurice to say, hey, you can't do that, he just open hand slapped him in the face. <laughs> now that happened. Years go by, and now Maurice is coming to him for a job, gets hired, but then mid for like, you know, early on in his time there, the guy, like, he's like, I remember you. You slapped me in the face. <laughs> Oh man! He'll bring you on board. Yeah, I can... do you have any experience? No, oh, I don't. No, no, man. Well, you look, you, you have got you, a face that's look, really familiar. You look really familiar. No, I'd never. I I don't know you. I at got all. one of them faces, Lottie. Oh man, I don't know you at all. Like you must. You With must that realization, else, like when that realization <laughs> hit, that had to have been juicy for him. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Like, I... can you imagine the smirk <laughs> on his face? He's like, Maurice, come here. Come here. <laughs> I know it was you. <laughs> I know where I know your face. Uh-huh. You're fired. Yep. <laughs> Turn in your keys. <laughs> oh, man. So at this point, he was fired from every job he ever had, which doesn't really help his pursuit for employment at other places. Yeah. Well, I say that, but... He, he still keeps getting hired. He could always go back to the shipyard because he wasn't fired from the shipyard. Oh, that's true. He left on on very good terms, actually. And he was, you know, like he was awesome. He was, he was machinist of the machinist year. Of the year. Yeah, he was well liked there. He was a good and honest worker. And because he needed the I money, changed <laughs> <laughs> something changed. Yeah, because he had great relationships still there and. Um, he also had some family that still worked there. His father and brother had picked up jobs there in, in years like after he had left. All right. He was hired back on this time as a crane operator. And uh, after a rather long season of job hopping, he was back and settled into what became his career. Okay. Yep. Jump to 1974. Wow. Woo! Yeah, big that's, jump. That's... Like I said, like leap, you know, like him, like boys are growing um oh, they're grown by this point oh yeah like he's in his 40s at this point mid to late 40s and uh maurice and Jean are providing well for their family he had taken quite well to the crane like oh cool i can do this yeah hey this isn't as like mundane and boring as a, you know yeah i can do this um and gene let's even... look down on people yeah works alone so mm-hmm. no one can tell him yeah gene had even picked up working at the shipyard as a secretary so like okay yeah now dual income family one day in 1974, Maurice, he's walking home from the shipyard and he had an epiphany. Like he's. You know what? I've got an idea. Uh huh. That's all I have. I don't, okay. I don't know. Yeah. Going you, with it, yeah. So. He, he's like, I'm going to get in to rock climbing. He saw some rocks on the side of the road. He's like, I'm going to get into rock climbing. Okay. I don't. I didn't see that coming. Nope. Nope. Um, so he like comes home like all excited for that. Turns on his brand new color television set. Hello, Gene with a J. Nope, nope, not yet. Yeah, just, oh, she's not there yet. No, no, no. Yeah, um, yeah. Turns on his brand new color television set and uh, forgets everything about wanting to be a rock climber. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fast. like I don't know why that was part of the story, but it was. And multiple sources I looked at, like, and he had an epiphany on this day. Like he wanted to be a rock climber, I'm and like, immediately okay. lost. And then it. just like he turned on his color television set and is mesmerized by what he sees. Oh gosh. And then like what he sees, 
throws all it's, all that all thoughts of being a rock climber. How? He, how can you be mesmerized by golf? He sees the nineteen seventy four Piccadilly World Match Play Championship, and he was hooked. Uh, he he wanted to play. He was mesmerized by the elegance and simplicity of the game. He loved how like he loved the camera work, how it focused on each of the golfers uniquely during the game. He's like, oh man, like I could do that. I could do that. That's yeah. not a team sport. Um, I'd be bad at like, team man, sports. I could do this, and I I want to do this. I need to do this. I don't care if I'm in my mid forties, you know. Like have a goal. Yeah. So he immediately orders a set of clubs through the mail. <laughs> and uh, once they arrive, he begins to practice. Oh, no. You know, he would putt into coffee cups in his home. He would practice chipping at the beach. <laughs> but high winds kind of made that challenging. So he moved his practice to a local rugby field. And worked on his chipping there. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and just practice swinging. And I'm all sure they like loved yeah. all those divots. <laughs> I doubt they they like they're playing rugby. I don't I don't think one little divot from a chip. Like, yeah, but there ain't no just one. Yeah. If he's out there practicing, it's a lot. Yeah. So sometimes his dog would even join him on these practice outings. He, he well, would. You don't have to go run after the ball that way. Well, so he would he would often run after the ball and try to catch them midair, which made it challenging <laughs> to determine the quality slash accuracy of his golf swing. How fast his, is that dog? Honestly, yeah, but also maybe either he's real either, bad. I was going to say yeah, that maybe, dog is like the <laughs> Flash. Um, it's it's the it's the first one. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he would even bring a golf club with him on the crane. Uh, during his shifts and during slow periods of work, he would walk out onto the top of the crane. Nope, but don't like this. And hit golf balls into the ocean. Absolutely, do not like that. Yep. I mean, I'm assuming he's strapped in to something. Oh yeah, I'm sure OSHA was around in 1976, making sure Maurice or 74, making sure he did all this. I thing. mean, I'm not saying that was regulation because clearly he's not following the regulation. <laughs> no, and. All that I know about Maurice says he'd be all like, screw you, regulations. But for himself, if you're walking out there on that boom of that crane, mm -hmm. you better be wired up in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I don't like this. I mean, it, it'd teach him balance, definitely. Like, he'd, he'd be balanced up there, like, if he's out there True. on the edge of the – Yeah, so. With the wind blowing. Yeah. Because he's right there on the ocean again. Uh-huh, yeah. Now, much like myself, Maurice, when he picks up a hobby, he dives headfirst into learning like as much about it as possible. Like he wants to know the ins and outs and this, the history, the the different like we had this conversation about another topic today, like we were hanging out, and I kind of like went like a little in depth with you on, you know, the the makings of certain things and like the, yes. the reasons why or yes. like yeah. Drugs. Okay. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of it. Okay. Yeah. I don't care. Fine. I'm a cigar aficionado. I really like them. And <laughs> I went in depth with you on like, you know, why certain ones are better than others, how they're made, like why I enjoy them. Like, yeah, I. And I would like it to go on the official record that I did a phenomenal job of acting interested. You did. It made me feel, <laughs> made me feel cared for and lit and, feel, and heard. Did you feel seen? I feel seen and um, yeah, not, not negatively judged for uh, my, I actually my learned hobby. a lot. So, 
I'm, I can oh, at least okay. engage in basic conversation with somebody else who likes inhaling smoke. Cool. Uh, you don't inhale. Into their mouth. You don't inhale. Into about, their mouth. I was about to say, you don't inhale. But... Like, you do inhale, just not fully. No, okay. Yeah. That's a different conversation. It's like a quarter inhalation. Okay. Yeah. We can talk about that later. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I do that with other things. Like, and I, like, a lot of people do that. Like, if they're, like, mm -hmm. into something, like, they want to know every, like, the ins and outs of it. Like, they really want to go into yeah. There's a bunch so, of disorders. Uh, yeah, that's so mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he dove headfirst into learning as much about golf as possible. He wanted to know uh, about the history of it, so he'd read a ton of books about the history. He wanted to know how to best improve his swing, golf etiquette, you know, things like that. So he's just like buying or getting books from the library on on golf um, and reading them. But yeah, so he did all that. Like he was like, uh, let me let me learn all this stuff, you know, reading about this and maybe this will help, or maybe I'll try that. If I learn the history of golf, I'll be able to hit it better. Yeah. One day he found himself reading about the British Open. What do you know about the British Open? Um, it's a golf tournament mm -hmm. in Britain mm -hmm. that is open to the public. Okay, it's not open to the public, but um Well, it's open to like amateurs not just like mm -hmm. the top tier professionals yeah like there's a there's a whole way to get in like you can't just be like hey i want to play today can i can i jump in mm -hmm. like there's a whole way but it's 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 one of those it's the sort of thing like if you're able to play in sort of thing okay as far from my recollection okay kind of yeah um so the british open is a it's a great british institution honestly um even like at, cambridge even at this point in history or it's, oxford it's been around since 1860 and is run by very meticulous men. Uh, they're called the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St. Andrews. Wow. Yeah. that's. They're not pretentious. No, not in, not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. Might as well just said they're not British. Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> they pride themselves in finding the best that golf has to offer and inviting them to play in their open to compete, to compete against one another. One of these men are – no, go ahead. Yeah. I remember this story now. Yeah, yeah. It uh, just it just now hit. Dang. Okay. Now I can't tell you the rest of it, but all of a sudden, here's the bells ring. Yeah. The bells are starting to ring. I'm very excited. You, Continue. Please. You did make like a very similar joke when I said the Royal Ancient Golf Club of St Andrews. You, like you made pretty much the exact oh. same. Joke. Yeah. Well, it's so, the natural joke to make. Yeah, it is. Um, that they're very pretentious. So one of these pretentious men is named Keith McKenzie. He is. That's a, not a pretentious name. No, not in the slightest. That's a really like. <laughs> that doesn't even sound British in at all. Nope, Keith McKenzie. Yeah. I mean, McKenzie is somewhat Scottish sounding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's but, a vanilla name. Yeah, he was a stuffy old school former golfer who helped reinvent the British Open by classing it up. <laughs> There's yeah. too many. Very much so, like yeah, like too many commoners. Um, he was uh. He was at the helm of leadership at the Royal and Ancient Golf Club. We'll just call it the RNA. That's what everyone else says. Okay. Um, at the RNA, uh, McKenzie, uh, Keith McKenzie hated shenanigans and was a very by the book individual. He's gonna love Maurice. He is going to love Maurice. He once and the, Keith. He once got so so upset with a specific Japanese reporter oh, at a gosh. golf tournament uh, that he was hosting. Um, Wait, are you saying that a British man's possibly racist? Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was aware of how like uh, how Japanese culture worked and like like how shame played a big part in that. 
no, 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 no. He literally held a public shaming of this reporter (laughs) by ritualistically removing his press armband surrounded by tons of people after the golf match. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like, like, you brought shame to your household. Like, rip the the press armband off of your... Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yep, that's the type of man that Keith McKenzie is. Wow. Yeah, I just wanted you to... One. This guy. He's also like balding. Had a terrible comb over. Um, of course he did. Yeah. Poorly. So, for the most part, yeah. Probably yeah. had bad teeth. So I mean, it's English. So I can be. I can it, be racist it's too. Eng- it's English. So, uh, yeah. Now back to Maurice. Now, uh, after only a couple years of practice and coming to a place of great appreciation for the sport, he desired to play in the British Open. Oh, I'm sure he did. He attended the 1975 Open as a spectator. And just knew that he would be playing in the 1976 Open. Like, he's like, I, I will do this. I must. Do. It was like an obsession. Destiny like, is calling him. Yeah. And so he 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 wanted to do it. And he was going to do it. Now, the Open holds multiple qualifying rounds before the actual, like, the actual Open mm-hmm. begins. So they can really assure the very best of the best are competing. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah. Maurice wrote a letter to the RNA to request an entry form, and they sent him one. Uh, well, actually, he wrote a letter to like a, the golf news, like the golf announcer guy, because oh. he didn't know who to write to, and he got a response from him. He's like, "Dude, you're you're barking up the wrong tree. Like, reach out to the RNA. They're the ones that handle this." Which hello, you seem to be knowledgeable yeah, about golf. Yeah, who do I write to? Yeah, golf crier. Like, I need <laughs> I need you to tell me who. <laughs> you do a lot of whispering. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he wrote, they sent him an entry form, uh, but it was complicated. You know, there's um, a lot of things on there. Yeah, that... Fill in your name, date of birth. No, like, that's, like it became complicated when it, when it, you had to describe your playing status. Playing status? Playing status. So. As I rate, I'm currently not playing, no, but so, I would like to be out in the green swacking a no, few of these balls around. His playing status, like, you you either have to label yourself as a professional or an amateur. Okay. Now, he knew he was an amateur. Yeah, I was about to say, this should be an easy one. But in order to fill out uh, the 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 uh, entry form as an amateur, he had to provide his handicap. But he had no clue what... I'm his... not handicapped. He... I've seen them before. They re- wheel around in them wheelchairs. He... I don't need that. I don't think they can play golf. He had no clue what his handicap was because up to this point, he had never actually played a round of golf no, in his life. No, stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. Yep. You shut your lying mouth. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he's never played a full round of golf in his life. In the two years of being fascinated and in love and just... Love this sport. He's never actually played a full round. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Get my seatbelt on. <laughs> this rocket's about to take off. Oh, man. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's do this. So, um... <laughs> He he also had to provide some sort. <laughs> he also had to provide some sort of amateur certificate, but of course he didn't have that either. So he just wrote down that he was a professional because no! because 
if you write, if you put down your professional, you're, you're allowed to bypass all the other stuff. Like you don't have to put your handicap. You don't have to provide a certificate. Well, that um, seems like an obvious loophole. Yeah. Um, so he paid his entry fee, which was $75. Um, he actually had to I'll borrow. I bet it was not in dollars. He actually, okay. The equivalent of $75. Pounds, um, perhaps? He, um, he actually borrowed that from his wife because he was short on the cash um, at this time. So, uh, yeah, he, he's like, hey, Gene, uh, I'd like to play some golf. Uh, yeah, what you need it for, honey? Uh, um, and he mailed his form back to the RNA. As a professional. As a professional. Now, the RNA were rubber stamping all of the pros just blindly. <laughs> so Maurice was in. <laughs> and he would be playing in the British Open qualifiers. Like, no... Had they not heard of lying? No, before? it was one of those. I th- it was definitely like, uh, uh, yeah, this hasn't happened before. So like, yeah, who would do that? Like, they're just, <laughs> they're like, oh, we got all the honest forms in. Let's look at like. Well, and then and I guess the idea is, well, we're in a British institution. No one would lie to yeah. us. Yeah, no shenanigans, none whatsoever. So yeah, wow. He's in. That was pretty easy. Like just wow. He's in. Now, believe it or not, he began like Maurice. He began to worry that his abilities maybe wouldn't quite live up to what he needed them to be. Oh, just now. In order to play well in the open. Oh, to play well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Fl- I played golf twice. Mm-hmm. Like a full I, round. Like yep, you played I, eighteen holes twice. No, I played eighteen holes once, and then a nine hole. and nine holes once. Okay. Okay. We're Neat. not counting mini golf. Neat. No, we're not counting mini golf. Um, so, yeah, he's like, maybe, maybe I'm not quite ready for this. He is not. Uh, so he, he beefed up his training regimen. Okay. Um, he felt like his short game was decent um, and his iron, his short irons were good. So like his putting was fine. His chipping was fine. But you're saying that driving the balls off the top of cranes is not conductive to actual real golf. Yeah, he knew his long game needed work. So with four months till the start of the Open, he began he began this new training regimen. So okay. he, he'd get up at 4 a.m. Oh. He would then sneak onto closed golf courses to play <laughs> one to three holes before they open. <laughs> and, and then once they open, he'd run off. Because he's trespassing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he'd do the same thing after supper at night. Uh, at, like okay. Once the course, courses were closed again. And on the weekends, he would play uh, yeah. you know, at, at, the, at the rugby fields again. So he's just more like, Jeez. really, he's just more like basically like driving range stuff. The but, groundskeeper yeah. at the rugby field has got to oh. be so confused yeah. by what's going on. What sort of cleats are these men wearing? <laughs> yeah. So it's really just him practicing his swing a bunch. Um <laughs> He did all this while keeping his job at the shipyard as a crane operator, too. So, well, yeah, yeah, he's See, gotta... it all worked around his schedule. Yep, jumped to two weeks away. Oh man, his long game is still terrible. Like his first stroke off the tee box was, was always his worst shot in his game, and it, like it, yeah, it was just yeah, ter- same. Terrible. Like my my first shot like would kill spectators. So, do you know the difference between slicing and 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 hooking and hooking? Yeah, one of them goes to the right, the other one goes to the left. Okay, slicing goes to the right, and hooking goes to the left. Okay. Yep. Maurice's uh, first stroke always had a terrible slice, horrible slice to the right. Uh, but he didn't know that's what it was called. Like, he, 
So he just called his shots the wrecking shot. Like, like <laughs> the wrecking shot. Like he had a name for it. <laughs> Time for the wrecking shot. Like, <laughs> let me practice this wrecking shot, see if it goes away. He hated it. Yet he's still like, I'm still going. Yep. Still trying. Now, but instead, I'm going to do this with hundreds of people standing around. Yep. Now, I also have a, a really bad slice in my golf swing, but I. Like in the day, like growing up, I played a lot of golf. Um, I was in like, I do like junior golf tournaments. There was a time when I had consistent, like, cause that's, that's the secret is just like, you're not going to have a good swing unless you consistently are, mm-hmm. are swinging the club. And at the time I, I worked it out um, and I was consistently hitting it straighter and straighter and straighter. But then like around high school, I just stopped playing like to the point where I used to play like multiple times a week and then it got down to maybe a few times a year. And now I'm at the point, I still have that few times a year place. And I, that's, that slice is right back in my swing. And so now instead of doing anything to correct it, I just aim my slice. So I get in the tee box <laughs> and I like, I totally shit. So you're almost plenty wing going. Yes. Like- yeah. 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 Um, and my friends that I'll play with, like I played golf most recently, like a month or two ago. And they're they're like, why are you standing that direction? The the hole is that are way. Are you broken? And I'm like, no, trust me, I know what I'm doing. And watch this. And uh, and uh, like they're like, wow, you know you're you know you're sw- you know you can just correct that. I'm like, no, like I don't do this often enough to correct. It. I actually like, can't. Um, it's physically impossible. But now now one in like say ten drives for some reason I'll remember what I'm my body will mm-hmm. be like. This is how you're supposed to do it, and I'll hit it straight now to the left because of how much overcorrection I've done. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he, he didn't know all that. So it just happened. Like, he was like, I can't correct this. Let me just, um, and he didn't have like an instructor or anything. Like he's still like reading books. Like maybe I should do this or maybe I should do that. Like just watch videos on YouTube. Yeah. You know, like he, you could do in 1976. Yeah. And I have a really bad slice Yep. and a really bad hook, but I can hit it a mile. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I've got the lankiness. I can drive a golf ball mm-hmm. ridiculously far. Yeah. Like I've hit well over 350 yards. Awesome. Numerous times. No, that's good. But also it's going to go. It's going to go left or right. 350 yards yeah. to the side as well. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that's that's his that's his game. Like he's. <laughs> he's it's he, me it's, trying to go play golf professionally. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> So yeah, he he didn't know the terminology. That, that's his wrecking shot. It never went away. Now July second, nineteen seventy six, the day of the almost British, the bicentennial. Almost the bicentennial. It's the Which day. I know they celebrate there. Oh, totally. You know they remember that one fondly, don't they? <laughs> the day of the British Open qualifiers, Maurice gets lost on his way to the golf course. <laughs> it's uh the course. He's called, been uh, there before. No, he hasn't. Not this course. This is Formby. This is a uh, oh. this is a different course. Yeah. Now he he set off for Formby with two hours to spare, which should have easily afforded him half an hour's practice time on the range, plus plenty of time to like get in the locker room, oh, get gosh. like mentally ready and changed and all this stuff. Now yeah, I feel the mental game is huge for him. Yeah. Now he had also done some scouting, so uh, he took his niece with him, and she who like had some connections at the course. So I, I, I guess I lied earlier. He had been there before. 
he didn't drive his niece drove him there he didn't pay attention at all and um like they were supposed to like walk the course to like plan uh -huh. out. that's what you're supposed to do you like plan out your steps and plan out your like okay like let me on this hole, like I'm going to go here and then go here and it's got this curve. Yeah, I want to use course. this club here and you know, all this stuff. And he got like three holes in and he got so bored with it. And he was just like, nope, I just want to, I'll just wing it. Like it's literally um, me playing golf. And so he, he really did not care in the slightest. Um, the, the very next day, now he has to make that drive. He didn't pay attention <laughs> when he was driven there yesterday. Um, so he yeah he gets very lost he failed to listen to him, like um yeah his his niece and and he just gets lost he's misreading got signpost all with devastating consequences like he's just well yeah he's not gonna be able to play yep quote i found myself heading in completely the wrong direction not sure of what route i should be taking to rectify the the error and this necessitated this necessitated me driving slower than i normally would all of which began to make me anxious. I couldn't afford any more mistakes. I had already used up the time I set aside to warm up, and now I'd be hard pushed to make it to the course on time for teeing off. And he's in a great mental state. Uh huh. Yeah. Now you cannot miss your tee time for these sorts of things. Like, no. They, yeah. Um, you'll be disqualified. You know, they'll just move on mm -hmm. without you. Uh, now he eventually does arrive at Formby with only a few minutes to spare, oh, like tearing across the gravel park car park in a desperate attempt to find oh, a space. Man. Now, but first, like he gets there, but first he needed to buy some golf balls because you know maybe <laughs> maybe now is probably a good time to buy some. Um, <laughs> and so he he runs into the pro shop. The club pro Jimmy Holm uh, witnesses this man standing before him bundling into his shop wearing a shabby cap and a pair of gum boots. Now, Holm assumed he was like, he's like, what's this caddy doing here? He's like, Holm, uh, you need to get out of here, sir. Like, we don't, no one needs a caddy today. And he's like, Maurice goes, no, I'm here to play in the open. Um, and I need to buy some golf balls. Uh, quote, how many will I need to get round? Uh, Mar uh, Maurice asked. Uh, barely stifling any laughter, the club pro spotted an opportunity to make a few quid and uh -huh. sold him a dozen. You'll need you. Uh, you probably need a dozen. Like, yeah, here, here you go. Uh, That's what I go through at one hole. Uh huh. Uh, so, Maurice then explained that he would re require a caddy. He's like, ah, I need someone to caddy for me. Uh, now, time like he's still very tight on time. Like he's uh -huh. almost late. Jimmy Holm busied himself arranging one, telling Maurice like, Hey, like someone will meet you at the at the tee box. Get ready. Like you need to, yeah. he has no time to obviously practice. He has no time to even change in the locker room. So Maurice pulled his shoes off while standing by his car, a complete no, no at any self-respecting club. And he and completely changes actually um, out there next <laughs> okay. to his car. Um, an act which received one or two pained looks from passing members. Yeah. Like, he also knew he had one too many clubs in his bag. So he pulled his errant two wood, which was his least favorite club. Um, he also, that's, that's the one that he, he did the wrecking shot with the most, okay. like, he's like, I hate this club. I'll just go without it. And you can only have, I think it's 13 is the max club you oh. can have in your bag. Like more yeah. it's too heavy. You start pulling muscles. Yeah. Yeah. He throws that, uh, into the boot of his car with the trunk of his Good car. Job for American. Boot. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and red faced, like all like anxious and like, I barely made it on time. He scampers to the first tee right on time. Like second, literally second to like, yeah, he makes it there. Now Maurice wore beige slacks, a bright polo, an ugly floppy hat, 
and old gross golf shoes. <laughs> Picture Rodney Dangerfield in Caddyshack mixed with Bill Murray in Caddyshack. <laughs> okay. Yeah. On top of his unusual appearance, his clubs were clearly catalog ordered, basically a non-starter for actual professionals. Um, like really cheap. Mm -hmm. It's like if I showed up to a concert with a first act guitar, like I'm ready. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I think also now is a good time to point out that Maurice had false teeth. Oh no. Um, he, he had lost all of his teeth during a diving accident when he was trying to hit in the face too many times by plank of wood. No, he was trying to impress some ladies at the show and he landed mouth first on a sheet of steel in the diving. Pool. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Oh, I was about to make fun of him, and I'm not now. Nope. Oh, literally, oh. they all fell out. Oh, just, just nerve, mm. just gummy nerve endings. Nope. 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 <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. that's that's the worst sentence that's ever been uttered on this podcast. Oh no! Wait, gummy nerve endings or or, or mouth burst and a steel? No. no, I'm I'm I gotta go. I no. Well, I almost didn't. I almost didn't uh, mention this, so I'm glad I did. Ah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel icky. <laughs> oh man. Ugh. Wow. Okay, let's go. Uh huh. Let's move on. <laughs> I, okay, so I just, in my brain, I'm not ready to move on. In my brain, I'm seeing him like, number one, I get the feeling like he's an idiot. And I don't know why. Okay, I clearly know why. Because of everything you've just said. But I just see him like, I picture this man coming up like out of the water and giving this smile. And it's just like shards of like little white teeth sticking out of these bloody gums. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, the shock's still there, so it hasn't set in with him yet. And then he's like, Hi. <laughs> and he's trying like, sup, girls? And just, ah. Yeah. No, okay, anyways. Yeah. Now nah, we can move. Let's All go. that was before he met his wife. Um, I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. So he had false teeth, and there's a heat wave going on in England at this time. And so his denture adhesive, oh, no. kept, it kept melting. And so his teeth would rattle around in his mouth whenever he tried to talk. <laughs> like, like, uh, like Nancy Pelosi, like, like, like you'll hear like chatters, like sometimes like it is very much like just picture that on top of all the other uh, <laughs> eccentricities of, of this man. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So he, he gets up to the tea box. I like Maurice. Yep, I, I like Maurice too. He gets up to the tee box. He found his caddy waiting. Uh, wow, uh, I didn't. I thought there was definitely not going to be a caddy. No, there's a caddy. Like I really thought the guy was just like punking him, but like absolutely not. Yeah, a teenage lad who made up for his lack of years with callow enthusiasm. <laughs> well, yeah, he probably realized <laughs> I'm about to have the most fun of the day I've ever had <laughs> at the golf course. Yeah. So anticipating a hot day, he had already soaked some towels in ice water and handed one to Maurice. Uh, a ball had yet to be struck in anger, but on this blistering day, the towel was much needed. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah. He was drenched with sweat after his hair-raising journey. <laughs> he shook hands with the announcer, who checked his watch and picked up the microphone. Hey, so I wrote you. Do you remember my letter? <laughs> um, so, yeah. 
Now I don't have like I can't do a good you know that accent, but I'm just also just I imagine like the golf announcer like just and now on the tee, Maurice Flitcroft. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And the crowd goes wild. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Maurice turned to his caddy. He's like, "Forward, please, son." The the caddy looked confused. Uh, there isn't one, sir. You've got a driver and a two wood. <laughs> he threw out the wrong club. He threw out the wrong club. Like his, oh man, like his newly aligned world began to spin again. Like oh, he's like gosh. in full horror and realization of the situation. He snapped into hard focus. He realized that he had whipped his four wood out of the bag, which is it's which was his time. favorite club, and and left that in the boot of his trunk in his car oh. and kept his two wood which he hated which was his least favorite club and oh, left that Maurice. you can't run back and get that like no. the game has started like it is too too late and he he allowed his disappointment uh a verbal outlet uh shouting an expletive <laughs> for <laughs> in front of all the stuff <laughs> like <laughs> yep yep Beep. yep Yep. So, uh, shiitake mushrooms. Yeah, just let that one fly. So he begrudgingly just takes the club, like, Ugh, and just, um, he. So, okay. Also, I should point out at this point, like, you don't play by yourself in these qualifying rounds. You have two other uh, playing partners. Okay. Uh, one's name is Jim Howard, and uh, there's another guy. His name's Robert. We don't really care about Robert. Something rather. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but this is a quote from Jim. You know, okay. they they're just now meeting him, right? Yeah. Um, and Jim quote, after gripping the club like he was intent on murdering someone, <laughs> Maurice hoisted it straight up, came down vertically, and the ball traveled precisely four feet. I'm trying to picture this in my head. Are you saying he basically like samurai slashed? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. His, his playing partners, this is his like, I remember this happening. Uh-huh. You know, we we chalked that up to nerves. It's his first time, you know. But after he shanked a second one only forty yards. I mean, we are all professionals. We uh we called the RNA officials. <laughs> <laughs> they knew something was up immediately. <laughs> yeah. Reflecting off on the on his game that day, Maurice said, My drive off the first tee was a real high flying disappointment. <laughs> that was I, a real high flying disappointment, <laughs> but that's the problem. It was not high flying. I swung the club mightily and let it fly. It was not a total disaster. It, it could have gone straight up and come down and hit an official on the head, but it didn't, I'm glad to say. So he's good at finding the positives. It did sail high, in, high into the air in a forward direction, just only for a short distance. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I am not at all good at golf. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I've literally golfed a total, a grand total of twenty-seven holes. Yeah, but I'm fit. I'm better than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do not have very strong hand-eye coordination Mm-mm. for this sort of thing. No, that is not my strong suit. No, I can't. I can't even imagine. Wow. Yep. Wow. Now Maurice finished his first hole in seven strokes, which was three over par that's not that bad that's better than i thought he would be par being the number of strokes it should take to finish the hole for, uh-huh. for you non-golfers out there now that's not great though either no, triple mean, that's triple bogey that's not good oh, that's really bad yeah 
But for someone who's never played a game of golf, like officially played a like, game of golf, yeah, yeah, that's that's I'm and impressed. that's the thing. Like he has said multiple times, he's like, I was better. I was a better golfer than how I played that day. I was nervous. I was anxious. I was. But like, how would know. he know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he he took five on the second hole, followed by okay. a, followed by a six at the third hole. I'll be honest. I'm he's performing far better than I thought. He both would. of none of that is over par or is under par well, or no, at par. Of course not. He's doing triple, double bogeys, left and right. Uh, it was the most auspicious of beginnings to a round never mind a professional's career <laughs> but professional's yeah, career. yeah but flitcroft wasn't the first pro golfer to begin around seven five and six and he wouldn't be the last that happens all the time now but while many professionals had indeed began a round like that few followed it up with another <laughs> three sixes in a row still even still few followed that up with a scorecard wrecking legend defining infamy ceiling Double figure hole and eight on a hole. Yeah, that's a that's rough. It was yeah, yeah. Now the big one was the par five seventh hole um of the course. Okay. Um, explain Roberts, who was his other playing partner. It's a long hole through sand dunes, nearly five hundred yards long. But he should be fine with that. He's practiced on the beach. You'd think, yeah, yeah. Because of the elements and the weather, the ball was running quite away um and his bound and it just bounded into the sand dunes like all all like he was in every sand trap on that hole not an exaggeration not an exaggeration he was in every sand trap on that (laughs) hole an australian that was playing uh complained like good day mike he's like you're holding us up uh he had gone on he's like i'd gone to a lot of expenses to get here and maurice remembering and Ozzy complained that we were holding them up and that he had gone to great expenses to be there as though I hadn't. I don't remember what else I said or what else he said, but I do remember that at the end of it, I replied that it was an open championship and that I had paid my entrance fee and was perfectly entitled to be there. I mean, technically correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Flitcroft completed the hole in 12 strokes. Oh my gosh. 12. I think that's worse than any hole I've ever done. Yeah, 12 sucks. That is a really bad, really bad, yeah. Wow. Really bad hole. Wow. It's par five. I mean, I don't Seven over par, par. 12 is real bad. Seven over par. That's really bad. Yep. Now I'm starting to get embarrassed for him. Yeah, I feel bad for him. Now the back nine were not any better than the front nine. I mean, to be fair, he he chose this. Uh huh. Yeah. After over four grueling hours of struggle against the elements and his own ability, <laughs> Marie, Marie, yeah, your inability, disability. Yeah. Maurice G. Flitcroft, virgin professional golfer, <laughs> staggered over the line. <laughs> That's a great piece of writing. Yep. He, Thank you. He'd, he'd been a dead man swinging over the last three holes. Oh, gosh. Completing his card with, with a miserable five, seven, and five coming back uh, oh. on those last few holes. He was exhausted. I am looking forward to what I believe is an inevitable confrontation between Maurice and Keith. Uh-huh. Yeah. The newbie scored 121 <sighs> over 18 holes, 49 over par. It was the worst performance ever recorded in British Open history. So he made the record books is what you're saying. He did. Yep. 
And to this day, it's never been beaten. I could be it. Uh huh. Delight for uh, sorry, delightful fodder for the British tabloids. His performance outraged the British golf establishment. The RNA were furious. I believe all of these. Keith things. was furious. He was angry and embarrassed. The RNA banned Flitcroft from the championship for life. <laughs> like he would ever get to make it to the championship anyways. Yeah. So it's a two day qualifier. Yeah. You're supposed to play two rounds. Um, five, like they did the math. So like at, at the end of, a, at the end of um, these rounds, you bring your scorecard in, it's checked and then officially written out. Okay. Um, he had 121 uh, on the, on the, uh, on the seventh hole where he got a 12. Uh huh hit the guy that was filling out a scorecard also just put a question mark like <laughs> really well really and so there was some discrepancies uh in under the tent when they're like okay. doing the final count they're like 12 question mark like work this out are, are you is this a joke like 121 like really um and so they did the math he would have had to get 23 consecutive hole in ones the next day <laughs> just to qualify <laughs> For the actual open, he didn't. He didn't show up the next day. He's like, guys, I'll see you next year. He, but he he next wasn't. Year. He wasn't even like head hung low or like he like he'd even like he he didn't hide the fact like especially there the score. He's like, well, I feel like I didn't do too bad for my first time ever playing around the golf. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's so oblivious. Yeah. The British tabloids even like they found they found out who he was. They found his mother, and they're like, "What do you have to say? Like oh, your son, no. record-breaking high score in you know the British Open. Is, is that a good thing?" They're like, no, uh, the, the, it's 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 the boy. it's the worst ever. And she's like, "Well, what do you expect? Like you know, you got to start somewhere." He's never know? played a game. Yeah. Um, now it might have ended there with the lifetime ban, but it didn't. It did not end there with the lifetime. Well, of ban. course it didn't. Yeah. We know one thing about Maurice. He does not like being told no. Nope. Undaunted, Flintcroft went on to gate crash several other open <laughs> qualifiers over the, over the years, <laughs> playing under pseudonyms and in disguises. <laughs> his, his exploits gave him a folkloric glint. A populist hero billed affectionately by the press as the world's worst golfer. <laughs> I love this. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep his bizarre performance uh this day sparked a media frenzy with reporters even turning up at his mother's door like i said um yeah turning up as a spectator to watch the main event so he did come back a few days later to watch the actual british open because he so he was banned from it well he was banned from the, the next year and this was maybe before the ban was like actually processed oh, okay. like so he, he came up as a spectator to watch the event uh, Maurice got close enough to a young Severiano Ballesteros who would go on to win five major championships. Um, and he's, he's like, they're even pictured together, uh, oh, like okay. walking. Like uh, Now, however, his media profile made him a thorn in the side of the establishment with the RNA desperately acting to clamp down on the man who had made a mockery of their sport. Yeah. I'm loving this. Now, Maurice hated the bad publicity. He thought he was like, okay, he's like an everyman's golfer. Maurice applied again the following year, despite the lifetime ban. And he was told by the RNA's secretary, Keith McKenzie, um, 
your application is unsuccessful as you cannot prove that your game has improved in the slightest. Because <laughs> has Maurice even been practicing? I I mean, no, probably like, not. Probably he's yeah. probably still like whacking him off top of the crane. Yeah, I mean he still has a job. Like he's yeah. still uh, still working. The furious amateur challenged McKenzie to a round <laughs> to prove his worth. I thought you were about to say a duel. After some back and forth, he was again reminded of his ban from every RNA course for life. Not only the British Open, wow. but now every course owned by the RNA. Oh my gosh. In response, he began to gate crash the competition over the coming years. In 1978, he turned up as Gene Pacecki. <laughs> Gene Pacecki. A nod to Walter Denecki. Um, a Milwaukee postal worker who had posed as a professional golfer to enter the 1965 U.S. Open, shooting a two-round total in qualifying of 221. Wow. So he's like, you know, he knew about this guy. He's better than Maurice. He, he's worse than Maurice. Well, wait, no, two-round total. two rounds. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he is better. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Walter wished to become a professional golfer, or golfer, but he was thwarted by the USPGA and their narrow-minded insistence on evidence of playing ability. <laughs> so yeah, he yeah, weird how they have standards. Yeah, he was, and that was in '65. You know that that was mm -hmm. before the the uh, the Maurice thing. So he so yeah. he's like, yes, professional. Um, so he's like, I'll be Gene. Pacecki instead of Walter Denecki, but also there was also a play on words. <laughs> <laughs> nice little nod to our Arrested Development fans. Uh, <laughs> and this is Gene with a G. Uh, well, so is also, so is Gene Parmesan. Yeah, but also like he he's like my wife's name is Gene, and mm -hmm. I was told very I'd clever. His was, son's name is Gene. I was told I'd never earn a paycheck in my life. Gene Pacecki, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, from then on also his, that was the first time he, he'd gone in. Um, that was in 1978. And from then on his alter egos included, I'm going to throw oh, some names no. at you. Uh, Gerald Hoppy. Okay. He was a pro from Switzerland. Uh, that was 1984. He went and did that. Um, he shot, he actually got to play. He shot uh, 63 for nine holes. Okay. But then, but then the officials realized that it was Wait Maurice. A minute. Maurice, Wait a minute. get out of here. <laughs> Which, if you multiply 63 by 2, uh -huh. it would have been worse. Uh, it would have been worse than the after. Yeah. Um, other names uh, that he went under over the years were James Bo Jolly. <laughs> James Bo Jolly. This might be my favorite. Arnold Palmtree. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't see that as maybe a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. Good old Arnold Palm Tree here. Totally not Maurice. <laughs> um, oh, here's another good one. Uh, Count Manfred von Hoffmannsthal. Shah, I'm a golfer. Yep. To, to avoid detection, he also wore a number of ridiculous disguises. I can only imagine. Growing out a handlebar mustache that he would dye in food coloring. <laughs> He'd wear a deer stalking hat. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said previously, as uh, as Gerald Hoppy, he was uh, he was at least managed to play nine holes, but more often than not, he was hauled off by off the course by exasperated RNA employees, <laughs> <laughs> driven to despair. One year, the RNA even hired a handwriting expert to look out for the prankster. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, 
He lo uh, Maurice loathed McKenzie and the RNA. Could not stand them. Uh, yeah, like yeah, that I, that checks like out. That, that's accurate. Yeah. Yep. But what really right, this is a quote from one of uh, Maurice's friends, uh, Trevor Kirkwood, a former coworker and friend. Uh, but what really rattled him was the bad publicity. He thought he was an okay, decent golfer. In later years, though, he did acknowledge that he wasn't, but he never thought of himself as a failure. I mean, he did kept getting, he kept sneaking in, mm -hmm. so he technically not failing. Yeah, he kept trying. Yeah, uh, I love the just the, I mean, he he tried multiple times. Now, of those multiple uh, attempts, he only was he only played again twice, and okay. both those times he didn't finish a full round. He he played nine holes once, and then he got like two and a half holes in, <laughs> and I, like a later time, I think is uh, like Bo James Jaw. I think that's the okay. time like he was able to play like a couple holes before they're like Maurice. <laughs> It's you again. Get out of here. Get off my golf course. <laughs> yeah. So, bummer. Bummer for him. That is sad. And for the whole world at large. Yep. Now, after his initiation into celebrity golf, <laughs> he briefly became a C-list celebrity and had various golf trophies, usually those celebrating poor play or egregious, or egregious mishaps. <laughs> All of them were named after him. Oh, of course. Yeah. He also had the distinction of having the Maurice Gerald Flitcroft member guest tournament <laughs> named after him by the 1988 Blythefield Country Club in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Buddy Witten, Blythefield's head pro, stated that it started as like a lark, but most people can't break 90, so they relate way more to Maurice than they would to like a touring pro. Mm -hmm. By the time of the 22nd Maurice G. Flitcroft member guest tournament, which was held in May 2000, the club uh, had featured a green with two holes so that even the most errant of approaches were potentially awarded. <laughs> the two holes on the green were 12 inches wide. Oh my gosh! A foot wide. Oh, well, yeah, a foot in, yeah, yeah. Like, you can fit a basketball in you, there. You can, <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's not like a golf tournament for me. Mm -hmm. Now, in 1988, Flintcroft himself was flown, to, and his wife, yes. they were flown to Blythefield to play in the event. Yes. He was reported as having told the members there that it was the first time he and his wife had been out of the house together since their gas oven exploded. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, Witten, the, the club pro, further said, it was a different sort of experience. I'd never met a crane operator from England, but this game had gotten a little better, or, but his game had gotten a little better than I expected. I think he shot in the low 90s. Okay. Flit Flitcroft said of his performance, I wasn't playing too well. Some faults, had, some faults had crept into my swing, but I hit a lot of good shots. Okay. Yep. Now, uh, so another thing about this tournament is the highest score wins. <laughs> <laughs> so now that he's actually gotten better, he's he's not having much of a chance to actually yeah, win in this success. tournament that's named after him. Um, now, this American trip in 1988 re-energized the Rogue. After oh, disappearing no. for seven years, he tried the Open one more time. <laughs> the British Open one more time in, 19, in 1990. <laughs> Flitcroft, uh, again going as Pechecki, played two holes and <laughs> part of a third. How? Before the RNA collared him again. <laughs> I mean, good on him. Yeah. I do it, my dude. Legit. Now, Flitcroft retired from the Vickers Shipyard in the late 70s and devoted himself to his golf 
and retirement after that. Okay. Um, so like the first few times he's doing this, he was still working, but mm-hmm. by then he was in his fifties and like back, like once he got into the eighties, he's in his fifties and early sixties. He's like, all right, I'm going to retire and just focus on golf. Be a retired person. Um, so yeah, he did that. I know my true calling for life, but because he was banned from every local golf club after sneaking onto the grounds and playing without permission and <laughs> angering the RNA, he was reduced to only playing on local fields and the rugby court and the rugby field. <laughs> that poor rugby guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. Many years after his rise to fame, Flitcroft could still receive mail, which had been addressed simply to Maurice Flitcroft, bad golfer, England. <laughs> Yep. That's incredible. Yep, definitely. Um, Maurice unfortunately passed away in 2007 at the age of 77. Is it true, the rumor that I heard that when they try to put him in, in the ground, they missed? Good one. Good one. Yeah. No, they didn't. They, oh, they got okay. it in there. Yeah. Okay. They probably had professionals too. Yeah. It. Yeah. He died of uh, emphysema. Okay. All that chain smoking from yep. in the crane. His, his also it was a few years after his his wife Jean had passed away. Oh. Um, she passed away in 02. Um, I won't make fun of that. No, no, definitely not. Um, he had, like I said, he had two boys. I do want to know, like, what their relationship was like with their sons. No, or like Jean with and, Jean and Maurice. From everything I've read, it was she was very supportive of him. She loved him very well and very much. Um, the the strain actually came from one of his sons uh, because of the embarrassment. So he had a son who was actually intelligent. Um, the other one of his sons caddied for him. <laughs> oh uh, my gosh. Uh, later, like later on, not at his first open, but yeah. Um, and ultimately there was reconciliation on both with, with, with his other son and because um, his other son was in the military and uh, this, a lot, the open's televised. Like yeah. some of this is getting out and uh they're like they're roasting him like wow that's your dad like wow like, hey james yeah yeah your dad's on the tv again i don't know if it was james or gene but yeah, yeah. james or gene yeah your yeah. dad's on the tv again yeah so explicatives yeah <laughs> expletive but that's what i said is that not no it's not said, what i said no it's not what you said that's okay it's fine. Yeah. We're all, we all make mistakes. Yep. Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. Um, but like I said, both he had reconciled with both boys before his death. They loved their father very much. They also loved just his tenacity. He's like, like I, just because I'm in my 40s, I mean, I can't try something new and like pick mm-hmm. something up. Like I'm still a human being. Like I, I don't just, I don't just get to like, you don't just get to like pass on me like and say like I'm not, I'm not able to try new things even though I'm in my forties. But is there, no life. one told him he couldn't um, try new things. It was just this one being in the British Open. You're like, no man, like, no one's saying you can't play you golf. You can't do it here. You just can't play golf here. You're not good enough. Um, and if you keep trying, you're going to get banned to where you can't play golf anymore. I mean, it's like, like, it's yeah. like the fake, um, fake NBA player who snuck into the Golden State Warriors arena and just shot around for a while. That's funny. I didn't know about like that. He, yeah, like his, uh, oh gosh, who is it now? Clay Thompson, it's fake Clay Thompson. Okay. Like one of the three main stars on the Golden State Warriors who are about probably about to win the NBA Finals again. Oh, cool. And like literally before, I think during one of the finals games this year, this fake guy snuck on the court and just was shooting around until basically real Clay Thompson came out and was like, wait, That's what? Funny. And so he got he's banned for life now from from every NBA game or well, just the definitely Golden from State. Golden State. Yeah, but maybe more than that too. I don't know. That's funny. 
Yeah. Now, um, no one said he couldn't play basketball. You just can't do it here because you're not a professional. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to do the amp fill the amateur thing, but he never like he had he had no way of like knowing his handicap or. or there are people you can ask questions from. There are golf courses right there that you're sneaking onto, anyways. <laughs> like yeah. you could go when the office is open and say, "Hey, I have a question." Yep. Now there's a film called The Phantom of the Open. <laughs> okay. Um, it the is Phantom of the Open is here. It released June third, two thousand twenty-two, literally a few days ago from this recording. Okay. Um, it stars Mark Rylance as Maurice. I don't know if you can picture him. Um, he is. Uh, no, I'll look my after we're done recording. Yeah, uh, Rise Dar, uh, Rise Ifans, uh as Keith McKenzie, who is the the snobby dude. Rise mm-hmm. is like he plays like the lizard in Amazing Spider-Man, and who's oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Mark Rylance, like you'll see him and you'll be like, oh yeah, that guy. He was in like Ready Player One, a few other things. But it's um it's in theaters right now. Uh, but it's like a big, very British thing. So like I've not seen anything like in in the yeah, states. Yeah, I've seen nothing about it. What caught my eye is like I saw this trailer for this like literally a week and a half ago. I was like, that's my next one. Like, yep, I want that one. That's it. I'm gonna look into this. Uh, because the trailer sets up the story beautifully. Like it's like this this happened. Like wow, okay, and. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looks like I can't wait to watch it. Like when it comes out on streaming, but apparently it's like a huge celebration from like for Maurice. Like he is like played as the hero of the story because he is honestly mm-hmm. like yeah he um, is like he's he's a big yeah. guy. That movie has an eighty eight on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Tomatoes. Yeah, so and look, both critics and audience. Yeah, I look forward to uh, I look forward to watching it. Um, but I recommend you check it out. Uh, that's coming from a guy who's not even seen it yet, uh, <laughs> yeah. but who's looking very much. Rod uh, Tomatoes says, check it out. Yeah, looking forward to watching it. But yeah, that is the story of the Phantom of the Open, the <laughs> world's worst golfer, Maurice <laughs> G. Flintcroft. I can give him a run for his money, though. Yeah, but you don't think that you should play in the U.S. or British Open. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. And he did. I do like to think I'm a little bit more intelligent and way l- less oblivious. Because generally, like, the, this is a fun story because there's an innocence to it, which is weird because this is not a man who has any innocence. Like, he seems – like, the first part of the story, he's like, this guy's a, a proper jerk. Yeah. Like, he is he is not okay. And it's probably from the time when he busted his teeth out <laughs> and it did brain damage. <gasps> I just solved the whole thing right mm-hmm. now. Like, because it did seem like there was a, was a switch and just – that or he just settled down. Like people settle down. No, no, but he switched from being like a great worker to all of a sudden being fired from everything. And it was after he busted his face out. No. The the summers doing the diving thing were some of the last things he did before he oh. went back to the shipyard. Oh, I thought they were from the first. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm good at listening. Uh-huh. Anyways, whatever. But like there is like a there's just a sweetness to it. But the poor guy's just like, oh no, I can do this. I believe in me. Uh-huh. And like, he's a guy you want to root for. Like you want it to work out. Yep. But at the same time, I'm also really glad it did it. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have gotten this wonderful story. No. Like, I'm really glad he failed miserably mm-hmm. and was a horrible golfer. So yeah. True story. I love that mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. It's great. It's one of my favorite ones that we've done so far. Yeah. Rightly so. Yep. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah. That made my night. Oh, I'm so glad. I hope it made all your listeners, uh, all you listeners nights as well. 
uh, that it blessed your ears. Mm-hmm. Um, this one would. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's a wholesome tale. Um, so thank you for listening. If you suck at golf, or if you're great at golf, or if uh, if you knew about this, or if you know how to get us into the British or U.S. Open for that matter, and I know how. Um, you just write in your pro. Yeah, I mean, I've been to the U.S. Open. That was boring. Um, <laughs> thank you. We. I like golf, but like we went to the final round. You don't go to the final round. Like you go to a practice round where you can talk with like the players on the U.S. Like during the final round, they are so strict. Like, don't say anything. Don't do this. You just post up and you just like let them walk by. I'm like, okay, that's. Dumb. But I mean, also, golf is really boring to watch. Uh huh. Yeah, like whether it's practice or the real thing, golf is boring to watch. It can be. Yes. It's. I mean. I say that I've napped to golf a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. like, and I'm convinced my there's lots of soothing whispers mm-hmm. yep. and very low calming tones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They also apparently like, they like overdub like bird sounds um, in like for like <laughs> really? the, for putting it out there because they think it's, it's, it's like really, they're like oh man it's boring like we like maybe throw some bird music or bird sounds in the in the thing when it goes to tv yeah that'll Uh, that'll make it more exciting everyone's like you know what this needs more bird songs so uh and this is coming from an old comedian's stand-up bit but i looked it up and it's it's legit um a golf enthusiast who was also a bird watching enthusiast I'm sure there's a lot of overlap there, honestly. There's got to um, be two very was, boring things. Was watching this golf tournament on TV, heard a bird, and is like, that bird's not native to where that <laughs> golf that golf course is. <laughs> and he called into the PGA, and he's like, hey, I'm watching this. And the, like, red-breasted yellow feather is not supposed to be in that client. Like, if you're telling me that that's there, then, wow, like... I mean, did someone, did you bring, did you ship those birds in there? Like, and they had to like fess up that, okay, yes, we do pump the, like the bird sounds in to like, yeah. Like, sir, you may not realize that both golf and birds are boring. (laughs) And I know this probably creates an existential crisis for you. And you now have to figure out how to move forward with this information, but everything you love is boring. Yep. Please find something that is worthwhile. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a fun little stand up bit that I'm like, no way that's true. And it sure it is true. But, uh, but yeah, if you know how to get us, uh, into the U S open or British open, uh, you can email us at the midnight narwhal pod at gmail.com wildfire gang, uh, with a Y fire with a Y mm-hmm. at gmail.com and discount shark week at this or at gmail.com Molly, you should email us. It's apparently you listen to all these all the time. Like, but do you? Do, like, I think yeah, she lies. This is a test. Like Molly called out. Email us at all three of those emails. No, like, just one. Pick one. Pick you yeah. Pick I don't one. Need three. Bare minimum. Pick one. Yikes. All right. Yeah. Called out. Called out. We did talk about doing that though. Like before. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh this my is the first gosh. I've ever heard of it. Oh my gosh. We literally sat over dinner and talked about it. But um, no. Thank you for listening, everybody. Hope you have a great wonderful life ahead of you and uh, keep listening to our show all right have a good one bye bye